Sugars. We got a new show. It's up. Miss Katie Ward. Woo! From the the enthusiasm enthusiast. I'm always going to say that wrong. So, funny enough, I met Katie last year. She's in L.A. I'm in L.A. We didn't meet till we were at Podcast Movement last year in Anaheim. So, funnily enough, here I am in Philadelphia right now at Podcast Movement in my hotel room posting this show. So, I thought it was very, um, I don't know, like a full circle moment of having Katie on the show. So, Katie, she's an actor, she's a writer, she's a mom, she's a big-time feminist, which I love, Um, and she's just, she gets excited easily, Um, whether, I don't, I really think about anything, whether it's film, whether it's like, you know, the Cosmos, Neil deGrasse Tyson, politics, Um, and she's just somebody who, like, you know, you meet those kind of person where they, you start talking about your life and they just get excited hearing about your life, that's Katie Ward, she's just excited about hearing what you're want, what you're wanting to talk about? Hence the enthusiasm enthusiast. So I had her on the show today. Um, well, actually, a couple of months ago, but um, we're going up now. But sugars, here's the deal: I did an episode on her podcast where I talk about something I'm enthusiastic about, and I'm not going to tell you because you got to listen to it. But that link to the enthusiasm enthusiast is um, in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. Subscribe to her channel. She's like. She has a lot. I think last time she has like at least like 50 or 60 shows. So be sure to check out her shows. I think you'll enjoy it. I enjoyed it. We also have maybe one of the weirdest Dear Maddie questions. I don't want to say weird. I just want to say inventive Dear Maddie questions that I've had on the show in a long time. So, yes. So anyway, I just want to tell you that. So, okay. So enjoy this episode with myself and Katie Ward from The Enthusiasm Enthusiast. That's hard to say when you have a lisp. All right, here we go. What? 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 Hello, everybody. It's a podcast. Welcome to Dear Maddie Show. I'm a little hot, Katie Ward. I'm a little hot. You're Coming fine. in hot. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dear Maddie Show. I'm Matt Marr. I realize I'm wearing my house shoes as I'm talking to you, Katie. Sorry, my little Birkenstocks with They're my cute. Powerpuff Girls shirt. Everybody, on the show today, we have an enthusiastic podcaster. That's right. Do you like that pun? I liked it. Katie Ward from the... I'm going to always say the enthusiast enthusiast, but it's the, en, en- the enthusiasm, enthusiast. Enthusiasm enthusiast. I'm enthusiast, an enthusiast en- for enthusiasm. Enthusiasm enthusiast. Yeah. My dyslexia kicks in, and I want to <laughs> really and switch it up. So... Uh, Katie Ward's podcast. We met at Podcast Movement. Like, we've been okay, y'all. We've been trying to do this fucking interview for years. It yes, seems like, <laughs> and it finally we worked this shit out. And I was just on her show. Yes, she just recorded. And now we're recording mine, and we're here. So, um, but you do, and y'all might not even know. You're as I feel like we're so similar in that. We look um, like brother and sister. I know. We're both strawberry blonde. Um, <laughs> I think you're a little bit more real than me. No, and, I'm oh, not. Oh, okay. Hey. That's so funny. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm dirty blonde. Yeah, so, me too. Look at us. <gasps> Twinsies. I haven't seen my natural hair but, color since 1995. Yeah. Mine's been a hot minute. Been a hot minute. We're, we're both Southern. Yes. We're, but don't you feel like with my hair... Somebody was saying something, I forgot what it was, and they, oh, she cut her hair, and she's like, I don't know. She's like, I just feel so much lighter, like a weight's been lifted. She said, I know that sounds stupid to say that about my hair, and I said, no, it doesn't. I said, because I know when I colored my hair, it felt like me. 
Mm. And my hair color before never really felt like me. So I get that. Yeah, sure. So I sure. get it when people want to do tattoos or weird piercings or whatever that I would never do. I'm like, but I get it. Right. That feels like you. Yeah. I am a big hair person. I don't, I I always say that if my hair is doing its job, it doesn't matter what shoes I'm wearing because you won't ever look that far down. Mm. You do have pretty hair. Thank you. But I work really hard at it. It's mm -hmm. not, none of this is happening by happenstance. Like oh. it is, there's like smoke and mirrors and bells and it whistles. It looks very Thank you. simple, but oh, it looks thanks. like it just, you know, kind of fell yeah, into just place. Kind, yeah, just, just kind of like. Just kind of fell into place. Um, but you're also an actor. Yes. You're, what, what, I don't even know. Do you, are you a writer as I well? am, you yeah. You are, okay. Yeah, I do a little writing. Um, like activism kind of writing. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I just did uh, some work for NARAL, which mm -hmm. is Planned Parenthood, or not Planned Parenthood, <laughs> uh, NARAL Pro Choice America. Really? Which, uh, yeah, we did when there was the State of the Union address, uh -huh. um, and we didn't want people to watch. Uh -huh. We didn't want people to just sit there and be lied to, basically, yeah. for an hour plus. Uh -huh. So uh, myself and two other women uh, helped write a piece where we gave a whole list of other things you could be doing during the State of the Union. We shouted out um, an amazing uh, vineyard that's owned by women of color. We talked oh. about um, different charities that you can... Uh, work with like one of them does gift baskets for female soldiers with things that partic that would be particular to females mm -hmm. in that they might need mm -hmm. you know like feminine care products and things like mm -hmm. that so we just came up with this whole list of like way better uses for your time um i've done a little bit of writing for uh the brady campaign which is against gun violence mm -hmm. where we talk about how uh, one of the conversations you have to have as a parent now mm -hmm. is, are there guns in your home? So mm -hmm. when you're planning a play date or the softball, you know, end of the season party or a birthday party, one of the questions that parents need to be asking other parents is, do you have guns in your home? And if so, how do you secure them? And parents are very hesitant to bring it up. It's very taboo. People feel really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be like any other thing. If you had a child with food allergies, you would ask what food would be there. If you had a child who couldn't swim, you would ask if a pool is at the mm -hmm. home. So it's all these sort of health things. Mm -hmm. And we want to make the conversation around guns focused as a health epidemic because that's really what it is. It really is. It's what the top, what is it, three killer children mm -hmm. now? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. That that is you put that in such a beautiful way, and that it's not it's it's not the emotion out of it. Like if I feel right. like now if I was asking a parent, and they're like, "Hey," I'm like, "Hey, that's your bag." If you're emotional, I just want to know, right? How, because if my child is especially staying the night in your home, there, how many stories have we heard about kids playing with guns and right. and, and kill themselves? Right, a lot. Right. Well, it just happened a couple of days ago. Um, a four-year-old killed a seven-month-old. Uh, killed, I don't know if it was a brother or a sister, but killed a seven-month-old sibling. Oh, yeah, it was a sibling. I and the, the 
The common mistake that a lot of adults have is that they feel that when they hide their guns, that their children don't know where they are and don't Mm -hmm. know how to get to them. Mm -hmm. And that's really not true. Um, Mm -hmm. Statistically, the children do know where the guns are. I knew where the Christmas presents were. I knew where the porn was. (laughs) You know where it all. The booze. Yeah, you know. Yes. Well, they didn't really have that. Yeah. but, But yeah. You know where all that is. Yes, yes. All that is. Yeah. The extra money. Yeah, sure. Say, the like, rainy day fund. The rainy day fund. Yeah. I, we knew where all that is. Yeah. My and dad so used it's... to hide his collector quarters, and we used to steal them <gasps> and go play video games, and he would get so pissed at us, me and my brother. No. Yeah, we stopped. collector quarters? I, I didn't realize. I just thought they were quarters, and then when he told me they were collector quarters, I stopped. My brother did not. He's like, these are going to be worth 28 cents someday. Yeah, he's like, I can go. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Kids know. They know where your guns are. They know. And so it's time to have the conversation. And the more parents are saying, you know, hey, uh, do you have this in your home? It, It, there is a confrontational aspect to it, but if you do have guns in your home Mm -hmm. then it is time for you to be more thoughtful Mm -hmm. and it's okay to ask people to be more thoughtful Mm -hmm. and then once we all have all the information everybody can make their own decision Mm -hmm. so if i know that you have unsecured guns in your home we're just not coming over and you're welcome to have your child come over to my house and we'll have a play date here. We have two big dogs. Are you allergic to dogs? You know what I mean? It's like the same thing. It's the same thing because I I don't ever want to own a gun in my home. However, if somebody told me, yeah, we do have a gun. I keep them my gun safe. You know, it's interesting that because I'm thinking about it. Yeah, because someone said that to me. We have a gun. We keep them in a gun safe. They're always locked. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Without a second thought, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. My child can go over and hang out at your house. And I think I realized that because I get where like people that are, cause I come from a place where, I mean, my brother is a volunteer sheriff. My mm-hmm. people hunt. Like he just sent me a video like two days ago of him and his son, like doing this like tactile thing of like shooting guns and stuff like that, which I don't love, but I'm like, I'm just, just around me a lot. So, but also too, it's, uh, I, I remember my brother, who is a fantastic father, having – I remember him once. It's so funny that you said that. I remember – this is years ago, but having a play date and or two parents talking like he was going to stay the night, and it was the first time. And he was saying – he brought up – he said, by the way, we have some guns in the home. I keep them in a gun safe. They're always locked. And he just said – and the parent was like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I do too. Like, they just talked about it normal. I think a lot of... That's huge. I think a lot... That's huge. I think probably more gun owners are open to talking about that very... Because they do that anyway. Because a lot of gun owners are super responsible. I Of course. I, but so yeah. I, But I love, though... But there are, I think, people on both sides that feel, well, I don't know how to bring that up or talk about it. And just take the emotion out of it. Right. This isn't what the podcast was going to be about, but we just got into it, y'all. This is this where is, we veered. What, what, what is, and I'm asking you this because to me it's just normal. So y'all listening, Katie is, we talked about her being strawberry. She is a white person, I'm assuming. You look <laughs> yes. white. Yes, um, I am white presenting and also white existing. <laughs> okay, me as well. And that said, it's like, what you were what something that I've I've always liked about you and we talked a bit about this about podcast movement is that you are 
someone that really I, takes it upon themselves to champion other people and causes. Thank you. And, you know, I think a lot of people thought, like I, one person back home said to me, it wasn't mean or anything. They're like, oh, that they just texted me and said, oh, I think that's cool that you talk about Black Lives Matter a lot. Mm. And that's, he's like, and, I, and he said, you know, I get it because, you know, your boyfriend's black. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have. Oh, that I, took a left turn. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and the, but they meant it as like, that's really sweet that you're standing up for right. your boyfriend. Whereas I'm like, uh, no, this is just I, the I right thing to this, do. Period. But right. I do feel like that, like, so what enabled you? And it's just because of where you grew up in the South. I'm interested, like, where did this, I where did this like desire to take a stance for people that didn't look like you or act like, because I know you're a big LGBTQ mm-hmm. proponent. Where did this come from you because i think people always think that you have to be related to someone or you have to which i think happens a lot but sure for you where did wh- what age did this start at for you is this something you were just always this way well um it's funny uh i my mother has always been a huge champion of other people and mm. um and my mom is from Nashville, and my dad is from the south side of Chicago. Mm. So they grew up very differently. And my dad has that um, old school, like, Chicago Irish immigrant family um, need to, to be involved with politics and, and mm-hmm. um, you know always my dad knows every news story you're never you're never gonna like jump the news on him and my mom has always been um someone who had an artist spirit but also a philanthropist soul so Mm. when we were in high school or when i was in high school my mom who had worked in our home growing up started working outside of the home and she worked in nonprofits so she worked for habitat for humanity she worked at some point for the salvation army she worked for a domestic violence shelter and so that i think when i think about it now i think a lot of that was really formative for me mm. as far as uh having this view in my community mm-hmm. my deep and abiding love for the LGBTQ community is because I'm a theater kid Mm. and I can't tell you the number of um, young gay men that I was just in love with because we were, (laughs) you know, we were, we were into all the same things. Like Mm -hmm. you like Judy Garland. Oh, I like Judy Garland. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's a, it's we'll always talk that about f- Renee later. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Um, oh, yeah, I know. It was a good picture. It was a good picture. Um, but I just, um, I think but, there's that thing of being a little bit of an outsider, mm-hmm. you know? I, Sometimes I, theater kids feel like outsiders. Exactly. I mean, a lot of these kids that are doing these Parkland shootings, like I think that one yeah. shaved the girl with a shaved head, she's president of her GSA, for people that don't, her Gay Straight Alliance. Uh, I don't know if she's gay or not, but I know she's just in that right. club. But a lot of them are theater. Yeah, they're theater kids. And, and I was like, of kids. course. Of, of course. course they are. Of course these children are ready. they're already getting bullied. They already. Right. 
know what it's like to feel different. They already know what it's like right. to be. Because there's very few schools in this country where theater kids aren't. Are celebrated. Are celebrated. Right. No. Yeah. The, yeah. No. It's not glee. You yeah. know. It's like we're, you know, uh, I, at least for me, I've always been a kind of person that I feel very comfortable in most spaces. I can have a foot in most spaces. I, mm-hmm. I can walk into any room and, and find plenty of people to talk with. But to feel my my most connected self, it's very, those are very limited spaces. Mm. So, um, so especially like for me, when I went off to college, I went to Ole Miss mm-hmm. and we, I had so many friends that were from teeny tiny towns throughout the South who had to live a double life and they would come to, to school and they could be out and they could have relationships and they could be as gay as they wanted to be on the weekends and then Christmas break they'd have to go home and tell their grandma about their quote-unquote girlfriend that was back me. at school that was me yeah and to see that I I, I was shocked by it um, because I, I just thought oh my gosh and not not because I had some sort of Pollyanna idea like I I knew how gay people were treated mm-hmm. but um, I just I I had so much love for my dear friends and seeing this pain of this duality mm-hmm. and this existence that was so hard for them. Mm-hmm. And not to mention the love that they showed me and allowed me to be myself mm-hmm. and, and, and acceptance for who, who I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I'm a lot to handle. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I expect a lot from people. I yeah. expect, you know, when you're my friend, I expect you to be a good friend mm-hmm. and I'm going to be a great friend in return. Mm-hmm. And when you are in a, a, a part of my life, you know, I, I'm loyal. I will ride or die for you, mm-hmm. but I'm going to expect you to do the same. Mm-hmm. And that can be a bit much. <laughs> you know? You, I could be a little too enthusiastic about I can a friendship. Be. I can be. I can be. And enthusiasm can boil over into uh, platitudes and self-aggrandizement and selfishness and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, a need to always be right and a stubbornness. Mm-hmm. Like all of that. All of that. Um, but I think hopefully in the end it's worthwhile. But as far as like what I have learned so much from people of color is – I, I is to recenter the discussion, right? So you're asking me about myself, so I'll f- I feel comfortable talking about my experience. But I I wouldn't I, I feel like I look at my the person I was five years ago, and I think, oh gosh, she didn't know. She didn't know how systemic racism was informing her thoughts and decisions Mm. you know and so Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful to like my friend Amir Talai who is an actor and an activist and the work that he's done inspires me and Mm. and, you know makes me a better person and you know everybody that I follow on Twitter that's so smart like I just learn from black Twitter all the time for real I really do I'm so grateful for that you know, that's a free education that we're getting. Yeah. You know, where people are 
even these tweet threads where they're like 20 threads and you can learn so much and it's free and it, it's available to you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? I think that's interesting too, just that realization of, and I still see it. It's like, it's always interesting to me, like when Black Lives Matter was happening, I talked a lot because a lot of my, most of my friends are not black. A lot of my friends are white. Right. So I kind of took it upon myself for me, a way to center that around that discussion was I would like post articles or talk about like white privilege. Sure. And oh man, white people get pissed about that. Yeah. They get so, and I still haven't figured out how do we have a discussion or around white privilege or how do we rename it? In a way, because again, going back to the narrative therapist thing, mm-hmm. you know, if a word is triggering for you, I want to find out kind of why and is right. there a better word that describes that? And I get it coming from like probably a more of a black stance or like, well, that is what it is. And if you're uncomfortable with it, then there is a problem. But I also see like, yes, I get it. But also, how do we, though, kind of maybe talk about the same thing, for, but maybe instead of hitting it head on, talk about it from the side just so then we can talk about it right because i feel like a lot of white people you bring up any type of like white privilege or whatever like i had a friend a female friend she put a comment about a thing about all lives matter and stuff and mm-hmm. i just kind of put a thing like well here's a different different point of view it wasn't even like emotional boy she sent me like a long thing about like how dare you you know single mom husband died when i had two kids under five years old i've worked so hard for everything mm-hmm. i could do da 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 and just went off and I kind of, we had a little bit of back and forth, not a bad back and forth, but just discussion. And then I finally kind of just said, but everything you described, would it be harder if it was a black woman? Right. And she never responded to that. Right. But which meant to me, she because that's the to, truth, because that's the truth. So it's like, but that's still something I struggle with as a white person of trying to, like, I just want to be like, it is what it is. But also how do I have this discussion? Cause I was like you, I never thought about it. And then when I went to grad school and I was, 28 years old and they start talking about privilege and I'm like I love everybody yeah you know I'm I'm nice to everybody I believe everybody's equal and all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and then I went oh fuck Mm -hmm. because it also then realized I'd it made me realize it's very different but just what it it was around the same it was the same time when prop 8 happened and that was the first time I realized even though I'm super shitting glitter gay but I was tr- before I came out, I was treated as a heterosexual man. And then when I came out, I lost that privilege. Yeah. Because I would be in situations where if I had a girlfriend in high school, guys would start to make fun of me. But then if they saw me with my girlfriend, I put my arm around my girlfriend. That stopped. Right. And they treated me as an equal. Right. But then when I came out, that was gone. Right. Right. So I, I could understand a little bit. Sure. Of that experience. Anyway, it was just. So Well, that's the thing. I mean, we all have to key into our experience. And and in theory, that is what should make you more compassionate, right? Mm-hmm. So so I understand. It's I can understand that um, as a woman, I'm going to make, you know, what, 86 cents to the dollar mm-hmm. as a man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that, that should infuriate me and, and activate me and enrage me. Um, and then when I hear that um, black women and Latinas will make even less and even less, my job is not to go, but what about me? My job mm. is to go, wait, 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 wait. What about them? Mm-hmm. Because 
why why are why are we not fighting for them Mm -hmm. you know and if we all were fighting for them right then we all would rise right exactly the whole tide rises it's very much one of those things like sometimes in working with couples and i forgot who said this so i didn't say it but they talked about how a lot of times in couples therapy but basically like if you're if you're if usually unless you're in like a abusive relationship or things like that but if you are if you always try to be kind not nice but mm-hmm. kind to your partner then usually your partner then in turn will be kind to you as well if you literally both focus on and I've done this with my own boyfriend like I'm really mad at him and I really want to tell him off and I'm like how do I say this and I'm still kind mm-hmm. because I realize that's the way I would want him to speak to me and so it so much more gets done in our relationship because we do have this kindness with one another because we are thinking about the other person's feelings. Right. But that's so what you just said. If we all were like, what about them? Then we all would rise. Because if, what if men said, well, what about women? Right. Right. You know, and what if black people said, <laughs> right. what about the LGBT people of color? Right. That like are even more that a lot of times feel shunned by their own racial community. Right. That would be different conversations. Well, it was so funny because, uh, Oh, I do want to get back to the to the the talking around the white privilege, but this is funny. Um, there's this thing called Dance Dance Party LA, mm-hmm. and I think there's some in Chicago too. And it's these events where these women um, rent out like a dance studio for an hour on a Sunday. They turn off all the lights. They throw on a Spotify list or whatever, mm-hmm. and you just dance for an hour. And you can wear workout clothes. You can wear whatever you want. And you just dance. And there are two rules. No judgment of yourself or anyone else. And no talking. Because Mm -hmm. we don't want anyone to think that we're talking about them or judging Mm -hmm. them. Right? And I went. And it was so fun. It was so liberating. Mm. And I was like, we were dancing. Nobody cared. You know, it felt very like, you know, witches at the state kind of a situation. And I, when I was done, I was like, oh, man. I was like, oh, my gay friends would love this. And then I went, oh, wait, that's why they created gay clubs, so mm. that they could go and have a space that was safe mm-hmm. to go do their thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why they don't love it when drunk, you know, bands of, of bachelorette parties come in and invade what has historically been and needs to be a safe space. It is different because sometimes I'll be, I would, I don't go out as much anymore, but you'll be out with somebody and like a woman will say, Oh my God, you're such a cute guy. Such a cute guy. I'm so bummed that you're gay. And then it's like, now someone's, you took me out of me just being me. Now I I feel like I'm being viewed as like a gay object. Yes. When I didn't feel that all before and not all women do that. Right. That happens a lot and so it definitely like it's like it strips you of your humanity yeah 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 that's why i was happy when the abbey didn't do bachelorette parties during because gay people couldn't get married yet all these women were coming here and having their bachelorette parties yeah and they finally were like um yeah we're not going to do this if we can't get married either well i i think that the, the relationship between gay men and straight women is so important, right? It is, it is yeah. so, like, how many of us have gotten each other through the depths oh, yeah. of despair, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a very special bond. 
And I understand, like having been a woman who's been in gay spaces and probably like drunkenly like inserted myself into things that didn't need my attention, Mm -hmm. but also like have have seen women act inappropriately, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in, in those spaces. What I always wanted to say when there was like the big hubbub about, you know, the Abbey and all that sort of stuff is like, guys, we know that you have your fight. We know that marriage equality is your fight. We're going to need you in our fight a little bit more so that we have more spaces that we can feel safe. So right now, the reason we're in your space is because we can't go to our space because someone will roofie us. Someone Mm. will um, try to take us home. Uh, Someone will be inappropriate. Someone will grope us. Mm. And now, does that mean you can be disrespectful in someone else's space? No, absolutely not. But, but. One of my dear friends, when uh, when Hillary's campaign was in like full swing and he was seeing the misogyny that was directed towards her and towards women, he was like, oh, I really need to fight like reproductive rights are my fight, you know, mm-hmm. um, miso- fighting misogyny is my fight. Mm-hmm. I'm a gay man. Reproductive rights are never going to be an issue that I'm going to have to deal with, but I have to take this fight on because it affects people I love. That to me is my friend Jake and I, who I do other podcasts with, who is a gay man as well. We, he even more than me, but we both believe that is our essential basic human right fight for us. Like if nothing else, if we don't have anything else to me, it's about reproductive rights because I, we both feel like that is, that is at the core of every human right every women of color right. queer people feminism it all bodily we, autonomy it yes. all comes back to that and so i one million percent agree with you i mean again because i we saw that prop a it's that's why i do talk about black lives matter that's why i do talk right. about daca it's because it wasn't until straight people went oh this really fucked up law just passed. Right. I need to stand. Like I had my fem- straight female friends. I had like three of them call me that day after and say, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I voted, but that was about it. Right. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't think this was a big deal. I just thought everybody was cool with this. Mm-hmm. And I am so sorry. And it, that's why it's still so important to me. Like yeah. it is you, it's so important for us to step out of our communities and, you know, go support people that are different than us. Right, right. Very different. Yeah. I think one way to to explore the idea of, of getting people to get on board with, uh, not on board with white privilege, but getting people to understand what white privilege, how it exists, mm-hmm. is, to, is to sort of approach it like, do you think... Um, your name on a loan application will do better than this name that's on a loan application. Yeah, probably I'll have an advantage. Okay. Um, do you think uh, that, you know, do you agree that the statistic that I think, what is it, one in every three um, black men will go to prison in their lifetime, American black men, like, we can agree that that's a statistic, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it is not 
because of a moral shortfall, right? It's once you sort of like get to the science around all of it, it's like, okay, well, that's white privilege. That's white privilege. Mm -hmm. And it is not to, to, to denigrate anyone else's experience, Mm -hmm. but there was a, oh gosh, I don't, I, I know I saw it through a tweet, but I think it was a report that came out and it said that, um, uh, economically advantaged, like a, a black man, a black boy born into an economically privileged family still fares worse than a white boy, uh, born into, you know, low, a a lower, lower income family. Mm -hmm. And they had a whole chart where it showed the, like the little drop off. And it was, it, so it's like trying to get, it's just trying to get facts, really. Really facts, because have you read, I'm going to fuck up his name, Tanase Tahase Coates. Oh, ta Coates. Have you read that book? I haven't read his book, but I've read like all of his articles. Between the World and Me. I liked it. It was, again, sometimes I'm like, I could have been like, 20 pages shorter, but a great book, beautiful, like a letter to his son. But he tells a story about how one of his friends that was killed that went to Howard in Ivy League school, you know, mm. um, and he was talking to his mother and his mother basically said, um, all the work, all the fight, all the years of struggling and achieving can be taken away in one segment by somebody's judgment. Yeah. And in that, to me, that was white privilege to me because that doesn't happen to me. Right. That, but to know that, and that that gutted me when yeah. I read it because I thought I never thought about like things that I achieve and I worked towards. But here's this person who was. We just it says very similar. What was the the black man that was killed in his backyard on his oh, cell phone? Oh my gosh, Stefan Clark. Yeah. So literally, all the years he spent. You being know, a great being dad. nice to policemen when he was stopped because mm-hmm. he was stopped. He just probably was facts mm-hmm. wise. You know, being a great dad, doing all these, none of that mattered because of somebody else's racial judgment mm-hmm. of him. None of it mattered. It was all taken away from him. And I went, wow, I don't get that. I can get that from being gay, but somebody has to experience me a little bit first before they, unless I'm just like in drag or something. Yeah. So yeah, it was just. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe somebody listening, it maybe I think what white people get so triggered is they again feel like when you say white privilege, that means they're not that they weren't that they were given and right. they didn't work for what right. they've achieved. Right, and it's getting your mindset out of that. So if you're thinking, well, you're saying I didn't work for this, we're not saying it's kind of goes back to that loan application thing you talked about. Right, and but for some people, that's hard for them to wrap their head around. Right. Like I did a show with um, uh, another podcaster named Summer Martin. She has a podcast called The Unconventional Woman. We did a show right after Charlottesville because we know each other, but we don't really, really know each other. And I mm-hmm. said, why don't we have a conversation? Why don't, why not, as a white woman and a, and a black woman, let's have, let's have a conversation about what needs to happen because white women are failing you. We are failing you. Mm-hmm. We are electing people in record numbers that – we should not be electing it. It, it, it shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, Roy Moore shouldn't be a consideration, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
And one of the things that she said to me that, you know, she had experienced was her name is Summer Martin. And so when she walked in as a dark skinned black woman, she got a little bit of the like, oh, you're Summer because her name wasn't. Yeah, my boyfriend gets that. His name, it does not sound that way at all. Right. And so, you know, she, she just talked about having that feeling where it's that little like you see the little light go on in someone's eyes. And, and like you said, <clears throat> we could never know it. We just don't know it. We don't know that. We don't know what that. No, feels I have a friend like. actually. She's been on my show. Uh, a white woman from South, and her name is Letitia Lyon. Oh yeah, yeah. I listened to and that. Yeah. She talks, and we have even had longer conversations where she's like, "Yeah, it definitely is." Like, made me be like, "Wow." So it made me think of like, have there been jobs that I applied for, things that I applied, that I just didn't even get interviewed for because of my name. Right. She's like, that's fucked up. It, right. So again, it goes back to sometimes recognizing through your own experience of what's happening to them. Right. So we could talk all day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we could talk a lot. Okay. We're going to, we're going to jump into a question. I didn't have any questions, Katie. I told you, I said, I got no questions. And then I got a question Shabar, right. that somebody just emailed in and I'm like, okay, we need to bless her heart okay yeah i was gonna say we need to bless someone's heart right? this um question is from let's call her susan okay that'll be a good name um so i'm going to so um susan's husband susan is i'm gonna say susan's husband is let's oh wait susan is 37 Okay, yes. Great. So Susan said um, her husband was charged with online solicitation of a minor. She said, I will skip the boring details of bailing him out of jail, but he is now home. Uh, she has accepted him back into their home with their two boys. She is willing to stand beside him through this. She decided this when she realized that no matter what, she is connected to him because of her two boys. Anyway, so she picks him up from jail, and in the car, he tells her it was a 16-year-old male. He tells her that he has always liked both women and men, and that this was his first time to ever attempt an encounter with a minor before this. Now, some things, she said, I know some people think this is crazy because she believes him. She has done adequate research into the story, and his story is highly likely. She forgives him because... Who the hell is she to judge because she sins differently? And she has known her husband for 20 years, over half of her life, and it never dawned on her that her husband was hiding this huge secret. The husband grew up in a very strict Catholic home and learned very early on in life that having these feelings for a man was completely wrong and really thinking there was something wrong with him because he liked both. So he assumes he can't make it through life without ever being caught, so to speak. And I told you this is a question, sugar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And while it's absolutely ridiculous, she can see an entirely new man in front of her. One with such a weight lifted, even while dealing with this legal and emotional shitstorm he has created. It seems like now, it seems like since I n now know everything about him, he has no secrets and he seems more comfortable in his skin. And it makes her happy to see that. Not to say she isn't totally raging pissed off at him right now either because she is the problem is that she's saying she she's saying i um 
I have a huge decision and choice to make. Stay with someone who will be known as a child predator because of his charges while it's no one's business um, or leave. Uh, and she feels like, oh, uh, she goes on to say, um, she said their children are awesome. She, they really, in spite of all her parents, she said her parents' shortcomings, they're great kids. And then what did she say last? Someone scroll down. Um, she said, as a goal, as a parent, my goal is to get them through their childhood as unscathed as possible, uh, even in spite of their parents' mistakes. She asked, what should I stay? Should I go? What do you think? Wow. I know. This was a question and a half. And it's a complex There's a question. There's a lot to unpack. You know, I'm, are you still thinking or do you have something to say? I mean, I'm thinking you go, you go ahead. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a huge child advocate. That's who I'm going to kind of go for first. So mm -hmm. I am triggered about the whole minor thing. And I feel like it's, there's a lot of talk in the gay community, even with gay men. I used to run a, a senior men's group and even it kind of, uh, this conversation divided the group of the men who had who had sexual experiences with older men when they were under the age of 18. Mm -hmm. And it was because of those men who was kind of the only outlet for them to be themselves. And they kind of could talk to, and it helped them come out. And then there were those who were like, well, that's abuse, black and white. That's abuse. Mm -hmm. um, I personally lean a little bit more on the abuse side because that's just, I, again, it goes. I'm, back, I'm nodding my head. Yes, it goes back to child advocacy for me in that right. we, um, yes, that might work great for some 16, 17 year old boys with older men, girls as well. But we're just going to use men in this case. But I just feel like um, there, there, there also is. Uh, um, I, I just think it's a child. I just think it's, I yeah. think there's a law for a reason. So, um, so the main thing I get though from this email is Susan is really an incredible person. The fact that she's able to see the complexity of this and the fact that that makes me teary when she says that now that her husband kind of has come out to her, mm -hmm. she sees that he is, happier mm -hmm. but also feel I, I guess I don't know I feel like do you feel like to me I there's a difference between being gay and then also and being a pedophile and being a pedo and yes sleeping with underage children right yes. what are you thinking well the first thing is I never heard Susan say once what she wants mm. I never heard her say what makes her happy, mm. what makes her joyful. Everything is in relation to him. Mm -hmm. I think that's worth exploring for her. Mm -hmm. Second, he's a parent. And as a parent, your job is to protect your children. Mm -hmm. And... And you're a parent. That's and another reason why I had you on this. I wanted to ask you this question is I know you're a parent. Yeah. And so part of the deal when you're a parent is that you parent other people's kids. When your kid's at my house, mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure they don't run with knives and, 
you know, eat something healthy and I'm going to take care of other people's kids. Um, if your kid, you know, does something terrible, I'm going to say, hey, that's mm-hmm. not what we do here. Mm-hmm. So you don't like, you don't get to turn off being a parent when you want to. Mm-hmm. In the same sense of if, if I'm at a bar and I see a super drunk girl, I'm still a mom who's going to be like, hey, honey, can I help you? Do you need a ride home? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You just don't turn it off. So the fact that he was able to completely disconnect Mm -hmm. his identity as a parent with this desire that he had for someone else's child, Mm -hmm. that's very upsetting. Mm -hmm. And I hate the idea of equating um, homosexuality with pedophilia. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's very dangerous. Mm -hmm. When, like... I don't know their percentage, but a huge majority of pedophiles are heterosexual men, not homosexual men. Right. So just, if anybody's listening statistic-wise, right. the science is not even behind that. Right. And, and that homosexual children are much more likely to be victimized than heterosexual children. And one reason is because you, if you're a victimized homosexual child, there is power in someone victimizing you because... Not only are they, it's the shame of admitting you've been abused, but the shame you've had a same-sex encounter and that you probably are gay. Right. Yeah. So the fact that, here's the thing. If he had um, an online affair or whatever with an adult and you want to repair your marriage, Mm Okay. Mm-hmm. If you want if if you if you have a a person in in your marriage who isn't sure what's going on with their sexuality and mm-hmm. they feel like they need to explore and then they they do their exploring and then they come back I don't you know that's fine. But the the pursuance of children mm-hmm. is really dangerous. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she that her issue with it is that he will be known for this act rather than the fact that he ha- he created this act. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she... Uh, yeah, because like she she's did talk not, about the shitstorm he created. But. Right, but she's not... How, like, this must be deeply... She, she where is the deep hurt? It's, she seems really disconnected from... Mm-hmm what he actually was trying to do or what he was doing. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Se- like, she seems a little bit concerned. Yeah, about- it makes me want to ask what if this was a 16, how would you feel if this was a 16 year old girl? Right. Because that reaction is that probably reaction probably should be not. It should be the reaction she had, but it's the, to me, I look at those things as the same thing. It's just, it's right. It's a pedophile. It's a pedophile, right. and so it's just. And I, I, I think there is beauty in Susan's empathy. Yes, with her husband's situation. Right, but then it makes me want to ask questions too. I agree with you. I it goes back to the whole kind of issue with this. Is what does Susan really want? And I get to you've known somebody for twenty years. You don't want to get. 
A lot of people just don't want to get divorced. I just don't think Susan wants to blow up her life. Yes. And I don't think she's realizing that her life is already blown up. Mm. And she's still like over in the corner like, no, hey, he's happier now and we're happy and we're doing fine. It's like, no, your life got blown up. Your life's already blown up. It's, it's already, already blown, blown up. up. So what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And. And. It's, I w- you know, like the idea of, of divorcing and divorcing under these kinds of circumstances and being a single parent with two kids, like that is a lot, Susan. I have a, so much, so much of my heart goes out to you for that. Mm-hmm. But where are you in all of this? And mm-hmm. this is this is your re- this is the reality. This isn't this isn't what people are gonna say or how people are the whatever they're gonna say is true because that's what he did. Mm-hmm. So this is your reality. What are you gonna do? Are mm-hmm. you are you accepting this as your reality? Okay, well then you have to accept it. Mm-hmm. But that that means accepting everything that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like. It sounds to me like she doesn't want to, well, I don't know. I don't want to place that judgment on her, but is she accepting what's really going on here? Well, and again, is she, is she, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's why sometimes I wish I could talk to people on the show instead of just, but I don't have that technology. I'm not going to figure it out. Yeah. But, um. Because there isn't a lot of question about herself. And I would, I think it's just, it's how can we have Susan try to really try to focus on divorce yourself from his sexuality. Right. That's, that honestly, that's not even the issue to me. No, it's not. It's it's really, really not. It's not to me. It's like, literally, it's like, I don't mean this to sound crude, but it's like to me if, someone molested a child and you said, well, did they use their right hand or their left hand? That's how I feel about sexuality. Does It's like, you no, know, it doesn't make a difference of, but it was done. And so right. to me, I, that is, th- th- that's problematic. And it, right. it almost sounds like from what happened, you're very lucky that this didn't blow up anymore. But I think it's like. Or that he didn't, he didn't achieve what he was trying to achieve. Yes. That he did achieve what he was trying to achieve. And I, and I just want to, I also, and this isn't, I don't know what type of father he is. He could be a great dad. It sounds like she seems happy with a lot of his parenting skills, but it does sound like Susan needs to be kind of the bigger parent in this because obviously, like you said, he's not parenting someone else's child. So it's like, is he, um, to me, he's not parenting his own child. And it's also, it's like, uh, I don't know. I come. I can be a little more old school in that. I know. I know somebody th- that I still know in my life who is gay and doesn't act on that or anything because they made the choice to get married and have children, mm. and they really feel like whenever I brought children into this world, it's not about me anymore, and uh, it's about me being the best, you know, parent I can be to them. I don't necessarily agree with all of that, mm-hmm. but I do really admire them that they really feel like I need to be a parent first. And I do, I know if I was, that's why I'm not having children right now, because for me it would be, I know everything else I'm doing would definitely take a back seat for right. that. So it's, it's like for him though, he's not doing that. Cause no. he, 
acted no, I horribly mean, irresponsible. Those so children. Susan like, has to be the main parent. She does. It's so hard. And the like your kids' friends are not going to be allowed at your house. Yeah. You know, and I'm glad that the situation is better, mm-hmm. but your kids are going to have some fallout for this mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives. The other question I have is who are you without this man? Mm. How do you define yourself without this man? And also how do you define yourself? I know this is hard. How do you define yourself? Even I know they're always going to be in your life, but even without your children, because as you said that I don't, I I didn't hear much of us. What is her self identity in this question? Did you? No. No, 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 no. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you, you know, if you're if you've stayed home with these children and poured your life into their, you know, school and PTA and Cub Scouts and, you know, soccer practice. She probably has. She probably has. But who are you? Who are you without this man? And I can and I say this to you as someone who I've started dating my husband 18 years ago not so not 20 as you you know as you have but we started dating 18 years ago we've been married for i think it'll be 14 this summer so i know i've i've spent you know in a few more years it will be that i ha- will have spent more of my life with my husband than without mm-hmm. so i understand that identity of like you're wrapped up with someone your whole life is wrapped up with someone mm-hmm. but it cannot be your it cannot be who you are. And women are not always encouraged to be who they are, who they are. Mm-hmm. especially, um, you know, a lot especially of women. Especially where we're from. In, I know this in, person is from the South. Yeah. So especially from the South where, you know, we were encouraged to, well, I mean, not me, but a lot of my friends, you know, they got married right out of college Mm-hmm. They, you know, half of them were going to college to find a husband. You know, so many of them had kids early in life. And, and so they kind of got on this train in their 20s before they even really knew who they were or what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And that is my fear for Susan, is mm-hmm. that the, the, the scariness of a world where she's doing it now on her own she's not living the the existence she thought she was going to be mm-hmm. and the fear in all of that is is clouding mm-hmm. what i think is probably a pretty clear cut decision it's grief it's like i said earlier right. how queer people we grieve yeah. it's grieving the life you thought you were going to live yeah and it's okay to be really sad about that. It, yeah. And it's okay to be super angry about that. And I want to say, if you decide to stay with your husband, that is your decision, Susan. But it goes back to, again, of like, it goes back, really, I think what you nailed it on the head of what does she really want and who she really is. What what type of person is she without mm-hmm. her husband? And does having a husband who did that complement that life? I, I, right. I, I, so 
I mean, it, it's she's asking us, but it's her decision to right. make, and it's and it's got to be. I mean, I think the you know if there was any like as far as an action to take advice, uh, she's. I think probably the best thing you could do is is probably you know. Uh, go to counseling or something like that because i know probably with friends please and, go, please go to counseling yeah because where you because there it's private so wherever you you know yeah if you're sometimes if you're talking to someone in a church or something you might worry about judgment and this mm-hmm. kind of thing and even some of your girlfriends you know would worry about and that's hard too because if our girlfriends have children you know if somebody told me this about their husband i would think well my kid's not going over there no. anymore Right. So not at all. It's and so um, it's so I get that. So maybe therapy is a good place for you to go to just talk to somebody about this and really kind of sort this out without any repercussions or judgment. Yeah. And you're being called upon to be really brave. Yeah. And it's hard. It, you know, it's hard to be brave when everything you've known for the past 20 years of your life is being called into question Mm -hmm. and everything you thought you knew about the person closest to you, you're having to Mm re-examine. But at the same time, you are being called as, as a woman, as a parent, as a wife, as a person, like as a human to be brave. And mm-hmm. that might that might mean some uncomfortableness on, mm-hmm. on your part. And not uncomfortable because of what people will think or what people will say. Uncomfortable because you're saying it. You're mm-hmm. saying that I'm okay with what he did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And that doesn't mean there's not a place for forgiveness. And that doesn't mean there's not a place for, for moving on. But these types of things, even if you search his whole history, you search his whole computer and there's nothing to be found. And maybe by the grace of God, you did catch him on his first time doing this. Mm-hmm. Is this his last? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe this 16-year-old looks 30. But still, there's... Uh, but he went looking for a 16-year-old. Looking, I imagine, at least from what we're getting. From what, so, from what was said. Now, if he thought this was an 18-year-old and over, that is... I do know some... Sure, I mean... That's if, a whole different thing. Yes. And then write us back and tell us, and I'll right. give you some different advice. Because right. I've had that with some gay men that literally... One of my friends with it, and he just had that hunch. He's like, how old are you? And he, he asked the kid, and he said, let me see your ID. And the Kevin's 17. He's like, sorry, I'm yeah, out. Yeah, bye, bye, bye. He was like, it like climbed out his window. He was like, I'm out. <laughs> right. And so right. Um, that's a whole different thing. But from what we're getting in that question, it seemed like he knew it was a minor. And it's just, that is just, for me, that's something I don't compromise on. So. Right. But that's who I am. So right. it sounds like you're more that way too. Yes. So yes. Susan, is that something you compromise on? I mean, sugar, my heart is with you. Yes. Yeah. So. And, and I want you, if I, if I get my wish for your life, 
My wish is not for you to compromise in a marriage where someone doesn't put you first and doesn't, and and that's not to say that people don't have rough spots in their marriage where they kind of like are a, you know, shitty partner or make bad decisions. Like Mm -hmm. life is long, marriage is long. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to be perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. No one expects him to be, but he, he risked everything, everything, literally his freedom, everything, because what would this happen if your husband with his two children was going to jail for 20 years? Well, he might now and he still might. But I mean, if he had been, if he, what, right. It's, it's just to me, it's, uh, he risked everything. He wasn't putting his family and you first. Right. So it goes back to. You need to do that. Right. Susan. You need to put yourself and your kids first. Right. And you deserve a partner who's going to do that. And mm-hmm. is that is that the, the dream of your life mm-hmm. is to, well, you know, I settled down with this person all these years ago and, mm-hmm. and that, you know, by golly, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the person that you had an agreement with they didn't honor your agreement. Mm-hmm. So you decide, are you honoring your agreement with the person that's there today? Or are you still honoring your agreement with the person from 20 years ago? Mm. Because it sounds to me like there's some different people mm. there. That's a good truth talk right there. <laughs> Ward. Um, all right. Well, hang in there, honey. Susan, yeah, hang in Let there. Let us know what you decide. We have, we're always, always just uh, uh, a message away. Um, all right, let's jump into, I love that I said, I'm going to do a shorter show with you and it's the same length as every show because <laughs> you're just freaking interesting. All right. Let's talk about some chatty Maddie. Yes. Okay. So I should have written it. I'll remember chatty. So chatty Maddie, number one, what's your most memorable childhood smell? Sunscreen. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, from, you're from Florida. Yeah. I grew up in Florida. So did y'all so. have that and your fair skin. So was yeah. it just like every yeah. day? Uh, every day and just like every day in the summer in the pool mm-hmm. wearing sunscreen and yeah yeah that's like <laughs> you want to talk white girl problems <laughs> yeah but yeah sunscreen sun yeah we have to sunscreen. take vitamin d y'all it's rough <laughs> okay i just i just did that i just took like a big dose of vitamin d because i've been feeling tired with the rain and everything yeah. And I realized that's what and it was works? my energy. Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh, my god! Well, I was having to take naps in the day and everything. And I took like 50,000 milligrams of vitamin D, which you can do rarely. It's not something you can do like you can. On the reg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll do this once and like I won't do it for like another six months. Right, but, you're high on vitamin D. <laughs> but man, it just like totally made me feel normal again. Oh, great. Anyway, yeah. Um, Chatty Maddie number two. What let's I don't always forget the order. What uh, what day would be your groundhog day? So what day was so great? You're like, mm, I could do this over and over again. Oh, man. Um, you know, last year. Oh, it's so hard because everyone's so spread out. 
But last year we did a day of yes with my daughter Mm. where we said, okay, we have to say yes to whatever you want today because little kids don't have a lot of autonomy in their decisions. And we Mm -hmm. wanted her to feel like she could like be in the driver's seat for once. Mm -hmm. And we had a really lovely day of like, we went for a horseback ride and we ate cupcakes and mac and cheese and it was just very sweet. Mm. And so I would, I would, do her day of yes. And she was so, she had so much fun. And the other day of yes, I would say would be my wedding day only because I had every, everybody in my life from different parts of my life was there. And it always feels like a dream when you I love that it. when that happens. Oh, it's so dreamy. I love it. But and like when you see people from different parts of your life get along. I know. I love it. It's I the best. know. So fun. It's the best. So I would do like, I'd do like a half day of yes because it would involve my kid and then the other would be then my wedding married. day. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Chatty Maddie, number two, what is the best piece of advice you wished you'd taken earlier in life? Oh, man. I think that, like, don't worry about boys. Just Mm. don't worry about them. I see the attitudes that young women have now with dating where they're just sort of like, eh, like cash about it. And... I wish I would have spent more time like not pining for dumb boys Mm -hmm. who didn't get me or were never going to get me and, or feeling like desperately wanting their attention. Mm -hmm. It's so unattractive Mm -hmm. to be like, please see Mm -hmm. me, please love me. And if I had just been more in my own comfortable in my own skin and like focused on what I wanted and what I was doing, mm-hmm. then I, I always would attract the right people to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But, but golly, like boys are so confusing. Mm-hmm. They're really not actually boys are really not confusing, but everything we've been taught to sort of understand about mm-hmm. the dynamics are confusing. And mm-hmm. I would love to like take little 14 year old me aside and be like, Oh honey, Please no, do your thing. You are never going to care about this person. I promise. Yeah, I promise. You know, it's you, it. Not everything has to be like a rom com mm-hmm. moment. It can just you know, just go be smart and driven and you know, tall and have braces and glasses and you. It is going to be fine. It'll be fine. Somebody will love you. I promise. I promise. Somebody will love you. Mm, I'd say that to anybody. I promise somebody will love them. Um, chatty Maddie number, this was, this is four. Uh, what, what would be the name of your memoir? <laughs> I said something earlier today as a, oh, <laughs> I said, I said something about an American daughter or something like that to my husband. Like as I was walking out the door to come here and I was like, that would be the name of my biography. Um, my memoir, um, Oh, gosh. I guess, um, I don't know, maybe this too shall pass. That's Mm. sort of my philosophy of life Mm. is that the good stuff's going to pass and the bad stuff's going to pass. So it all passes. It all passes. So enjoy enjoy it and don't get too mired in the the present Mm. funk. Mm -hmm. I I don't, I'm sure someone has used that before, but you know what? It's a good one though to it's a good one to hear. Yeah. Um okay, chatty Maddie number five. When are you most inspired? 
Usually in the car listening to music. Mm. Um, Any type of music or? Uh, Beyonce, mm. Britney, Madonna, mm-hmm. um, Celine. I love Celine. I love Celine so much. Have you seen her in Vegas? I did. So good. I cried for the first 45 minutes. We really are theater kids. You remind me so much of one of my best <laughs> friends, Liz Asty. She's a theater actress in New York. You're so much like her. Um, yeah. She calls it being present because she said, I realize when I'm crying, Aww. it's because I'm so present in the moment that yeah. I'm there. And she's like, that's what makes me. So anytime she gets teary now, she's I like, know. I'm present. I know. I feel that. I just had this weird moment where... As soon as the lights went down, I started crying. And then they had the video. And I think Renee Charles had been sick, but he hadn't died yet. Oh, you saw her after he died. No, I saw like he was sick. She went away. Oh, oh, okay. He felt better. She came back, but he hadn't died yet. And so I was like crying through the video. And then once we got into about like minute 40 of the show, my husband was like, are you okay? Are you even enjoying this? And I was like, we're, it's just like, we're here together. Celine and I are together in a room. Finally, we're here mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Me and her. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I love her. So when I'm listening to music in my car, um, it's super, super inspiring. And on hikes. I love going on hikes. Mm. And, um, I, that I I always get like my best thinking done on a hike. Mm. Alone I love time. That. I love, yeah. yeah, it always helps. Even though it's so funny, and I try to remember to inspire me to do it. I don't really like any exercise, but I realize anytime I do exercise is when I have inspiring creative thoughts. <gasps> we have to find the exercise that you love. I love tennis. Okay. That can be hard sometimes to find somebody to go play tennis with yeah, or yeah. the court. So I'm trying, I am trying to find a thing that I like to do. I'm starting to try swimming a little bit. I'm trying to find something that I like to do that I can do on my own. Uh-huh. And because tennis is not the I like hitting up against a backboard, but it's not the same. Right. I just won like, I've tried yoga before. I just won like a free month of yoga, yoga work. It's like unlimited. Oh, great. So I thought, well, I'll try that again. So I'm always. So you have to try a bunch of different teachers too, because you can try one form of yoga and it's like, does, oh, it's awful. And then you can try another form and it fits. Like I always used to do Anusara yoga, which is all about opening the heart. Mm. And I had this one yoga teacher that I found and I like keyed in with her and then she left and I you pretty much it. abandoned yoga be, just because I, I, I liked what she did. Mm. Um, I have come around on boxing, which I never in 10 tried it million year, years. And it hurt my wrist so bad. I have carpal tunnel in this one wrist. And, oh, man, it activated it. Oh, we, we don't want to activate but it. But I still have. What was, if you paid for a tennis lesson? So that you mm. could like have an appointment mm-hmm. that is your tennis lesson. Yeah, that's true. You'd have a set person there and then you could hit it, you know, like you could really hit it. I and mean, it like doesn't... on my dream board is I want to have like a tennis court where I live mm-hmm. and I just play every day. That's what I want my cardio to be. I love tennis that much. Awesome. So it's like I need to, yeah, tennis is good. See, Katie Ward. There you go. I feel like the roles are switched. She's. She's got her shit more way way more together than I do. <laughs> no. Okay. So tell everybody where they can find you. 
Well, I would love it if you would listen to The Enthusiasm Enthusiast. Which I would is, love it, too. I would love it. It really is. I mean, you're just a great person, but it's like, you guys, the show is literally talking about people, what is their passion? You yeah. Know, that's, that's my, that was my first date question. Because people always ask on the first mm, date, what do you do? Right. And I learned very early on that got, that didn't give me any inkling who that person was. Because a lot of people, especially here in LA and around the country, they're not working in what they want. And so right. when I began to ask, what are you passionate about? It would, it would, it opened up the conversation so much more. Right. I think too, when we talk about enthusiasm, it's very low stakes as compared to what are you happy about? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, happy. Oh, I don't know. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's it, it has a lot of weight to mm-hmm. it. Enthusiasm. Like, well, what are you enthusiastic about? Yeah. It's like, it could be, you know, the new queer eye. Oh my gosh. We love the new queer eye so mm-hmm. much. It could be, um, you know, pillows. Oh, You're really into like making pillows. Right. Or it's it whatever. could be whatever. It it's, could be as min as minuscule and as major n- yeah. as you need it to be. Um, so I would love it if you would listen to the enthusiasm enthusiast It's on all that, platforms. Yeah. And I'll put it in the show links in the show. You can go to the enthusiasm com, and you can follow me on Twitter mm-hmm. at Katie F ward F is in Frank F is in Frank right. W A R D and, um, same on Instagram, Katie F ward. So yeah, great. That's me. Well, a year in the making and I'm so glad it finally happened. <laughs> I know. Thank you so uh, much. I feel like this will happen again more because we're just kindred spirits. Yes. We really are. We are. We really we're are. Fake gingers. We, we were podcast friends and now we're friends. Oh, yay. No, I feel that way. Oh, I yeah. feel that way For too. sure. For sure. All right, everybody. You know the deal. Um, I love you guys. I appreciate you listening and girls, people. I'm trying not to say guys as much. Y'all. I'm trying, That's yeah. why I love y'all. I do love y'all. I say that all the time. I say y'all. Because everybody starts their Instagram videos. They're like, hey, guys. And I'm like, no. Y'all. No, just say y'all. Yeah. But they're not Southern. So I guess it'd be like, hey, y'all. <laughs> hey, y'all. Um, anyway, that was a <laughs> terrible New York accent. All right, everybody. So you know the deal. Um, go to the website. Ask questions at DearMaddieShow.com. I, I love you all very much. I th- appreciate you for listening. Katie Ward, thanks again. Thank you. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Okay, sugar. So that was it. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, also, I, if you're in Philadelphia at Podcast Movie, be sure to check that out. I did a little speech today. I felt like it went pretty well. Also, right now, I'm in a ladies' hotel room. That's my friend, Nicole Holland. She, you might remember her. Yes, she has purple hair, but she's so much more than that. I think, uh, when did we record our episode? A long time ago, right? Like, long time ago. There's a Dear Maddie episode. Y'all know I'm not going to look it up because I'm lazy. I'm not lazy. I just, but it's, um, uh, we did that episode. You should come back. We did the episode a long time ago. And Nicolin, Nicolin, I just combined your name. Nicole Holland, I put Nicolin. So uh, she has a podcast, uh, which is it still? Is it still building? Are you keeping the name? Business Building Rockstar Show. Yeah. So you can check that out too. I'll put, you know what? I'm going to be good. I'm going to actually find our episode in my show notes in case you haven't watched, listened to it. And you can listen to that too. But we're both a podcast movement. We're trying to work together. We said that two hours ago and we've been drinking and talking. So now we're actually working getting stuff done. But for the rest of you, I really hope you enjoy this. I really, 
I cannot say how much I love Katie Ward. She, I feel like we get well, get along so well because we're both actors and entertainers, but we also want to have exciting conversations that motivate us to do what we want to do in the world and inspire other people to do what they want to do in the world because you know what life is too short sugars so that is the show for today you know the deal i always love a review on itunes stitcher google podcast now wherever you listen to i appreciate it and you can always follow me on the socials at the matt mar sugars you know the deal do something for someone this week and i'll see you next week bye